Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to be discussing the changing face of B2B marketing. Joining us is Jordan Crawford, who is the CEO at Blueprint, which helps B2B companies build go-to-market systems by pain, not persona. They download your customer's buying context, score your entire TAM by pain, and then build automated outbound email sequences that get 5 to 33% positive reply rates. Blueprint eliminates the need for your sales team to ever research a company again or figure out what to say to them. So far this week, Jordan and I have talked about why your buyer's research process has changed, where B2B buyers go to evaluate SaaS adapting to changes in how our buyers research. And today we're going to continue our conversation by talking about what can sellers do about the buyer research wave. Okay, here's my conversation with Jordan Crawford, the CEO at Blueprint. Jordan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks again for having me, Doug. Okay, so two things I want to cover, Jordan. The first thing is, and we touched on this yesterday, are we appropriately incentivizing our sellers? And then no. what are we doing about product motions? You're not supposed to answer the question. This is setup. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. All right. So let, let's start with seller incentives. And you, you cast this as SDR incentives. I think that's really important because, hey, those, these are the folks that are sourcing. But we're really talking holistically about the entire buyer journey, the entire selling process. So let's start with seller incentives. What are some quick changes that people can make to help them drive for a better process that process, by the way, folks, speaks to the quality of the engagement, not necessarily the results. I know that's scary for people in VC land hearing this conversation. Yeah, that's for sure true. Well, I think that the best way to think about this is as a founder would, as I think about it, right? Because I have to sell my own products or services. And I have just found over and over again that if you try to provide transactional value, even though that value might be really high, people tune out. And so I had this CMO friend of mine that he's just totally underwater. He's working 15 hour days. I sent him a bunch of useful data and he's like, ah, you know, we're kind of not interested. It was just hard to get his attention. So we went out, had coffee. I didn't talk at all about what I did, who I was, what I was selling. I just like talked to him like, what are you doing? What are you working on? How like, like talk to me about the problems that you have. Oh, I gave him some ideas. Here's, here's some like go to market motions that you can develop. And so the conversation was both organic. He trusted me. And also I wasn't attempting to, it wasn't like we weren't ride or die, Doug. <laughs> like if he bought from me, great. If not, I'm still going to be able to put food on the table, right? No one's going to fire me next week because I didn't close this deal, right? And I definitely have had people come back 
after it didn't work at a company. I'm chatting with another company like this week because that person didn't buy at the last company because, you know, the buyer's committee, the buyer's committee, someone said no. And he said, man, Jordan, we really should have bought you. I'm sorry. Now's a good time. Would love to have a conversation with you. So it's this thing that's very hard to quantify. It's like doesn't show up on this quarter's board deck. But that's the type of relationship that if you can build with your market and remove this whole quarterly, monthly, your full value as an SDR is really how much pipeline did you deliver and what is the vanity metrics for this month? We need to balance activity with the buyer experience, the value to the buyer. And I think if we can kind of play around with that sort of seesaw, we can create a good buying experience and just like a founder does today. Okay, I agree but there's a certain amount of platitude. So you're the chump now, yeah, Jordan, right? So, for sure. So how do we scale? And guess what? Who has the answer? This guy has the answer. You ready? How do we take this and how do we scale it? So my first suggestion, and guess what? I'm going to have to do this with lean data because I'm putting it out there. But I would offer the following. Rate your SDRs and rate your sellers on the experience they provided by doing post-selling surveys. And here's what, and I, I think these are simple surveys. These exist for net promoter scores. Like there's a whole industry out there that helps you measure this stuff. I'm going to say, apply this to your sellers. And here's one thing I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. Number one, you're going to get a fair amount of resistance from sellers. You're going to go like, I don't care what the experience is. It's a bottom line business, Doug. That's why you're a CMO, not a seller. Good luck to you. And what I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there, Jordan, is this. You're going to find a correlation between the people that provide the best experiences and the people that are hitting their numbers. I almost guarantee it. And I think that if you start incenting, so your mid performers, your bottom performers, Jordan, if you go and say, you know what, guess what? You have a quarter where you don't have to hit your number, improve your customer experience score, sorry, your prospect experience score. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that those people are more performative. So what I'm going to say is Jordan is right. He's the champ on this one. But what I'm going to tell you is that can't scale. And my suggestion, folks, is to measure the quality of the experience of the seller. Now, how do you think about this with disqualification criteria, Doug? Like, do your sellers have a good understanding? I mean, I know that lean data can't sell to folks that don't use Salesforce, but do you have a like, under these conditions, we have seen XY customers churn. If you get any sense that these customers are in this bucket, do not sell to them. It is a deal that even if you could close, you should not close it. It is better to be a trusted resource to this person than to try to get them to close on a deal that will churn next year. How do you think about like the disqualification criteria? Well, okay, so that's, I have to say, Jordan, that's a great question. And I will tell you this, if you don't know this stuff and you're listening in right now, if you haven't figured this out, you got a problem. We talked a couple days ago about zombie companies, because if you can't rate well in G2 crowd trust radius, et cetera, like you got a bigger problem than we can solve for you. And in this case, what I would say is absolutely, Jordan, and it comes down to your ICPs and your ability to make sure the ICPs are not just theory that marketing is putting in the marketplace. There are boundaries that are handed off to your SDR organization and to your DG team and to your sellers. And it's, it comes down to good and bad deals. So that's sort of a precursor to what I just suggested is you've got to get your stuff together. You've got to understand your ICPs. And if you do that, then you can do everything else. Can you also talk to me about how you're thinking about educating the SDR? Because like there's a disconnect. I have a friend that was a CSM manager and 
she's like, sales would always sell a bunch of stuff that we could not do, that we could not deliver on. And it created just an awful experience. You know, we got a couple of years of amazing revenue from this company, but they eventually churned. And it was only after backbreaking labor through the CSM team. So have you thought about maybe an SDR can switch roles for a while and sit in the support position and see what it's like after the, you know, after the great, the ink is dotted on to the next one. What happens if you follow that customer into the lean data experience so they can get better thought processes about what people are doing with the product to help sell it better? Yeah, I, you know, th there's people out there that are advocates of the bow tie or the flywheel, and they just, they got super excited by what you just said, Jordan. So if folks aren't familiar with those models, they effectively say the center of your selling process is your customer and your customer's ability to succeed and your ability to sell more stuff. In other words, make your customer more successful. You know, I'd say that's a brilliant idea from a cross-functional standpoint. I love that idea. But ultimately, at the bottom of that is how do you create the same incentive structure that you have for CSMs versus SDRs and selling people? That's what you're talking about, because I don't think you need to cross-train them. I think you ultimately have to be in a spot where the incentive structure is very similar. I'm going to turn it back to you, Jordan. Something we touched on last couple of days was product motions, in other words, PLG. And what we're trying to do is to tell sellers, how do you adjust it's not really a seller responsibility, but I think what we're saying is you got to be thinking about your product experience almost as a PLG vendor would. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that if you don't do PLG, companies like TestBox will do it for you or your competitors. It's going to be a competitive differentiator where it's like, oh, well, how do you get set up with us? Well, it takes four months. You have to contact the head of IT. You have to get Harry Potter on the line. He's got to throw a spell. Like you got to do these 86 steps. Like no one's going to do that anymore. It's like, how can I get into the product? And, you know, you you think about Twitter, right? And it's like, okay, well, people have 160 character attention spans, right? So how can you get someone into the product and get them to experience the value as fast as possible to have that aha moment? And that aha moment is not going to come from your sales team. It's going to come from the experience in the product. And I think if you don't do that, if you can't provide that, then this is going to be the next differentiator for a company. So you're only going to be competing with other PLG companies. You're not going to be competing with all of the 80,000 companies in the space. I think it's a brilliant point to land on, Jordan, here. And that is to say, what really we're recommending, can I put words in your mouth, Jordan? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah as long as it's only words. <laughs> there you go. All right. No whiskey, apparently. So what we're saying is this. Think about, we, we talked about what are your seller incentives and then how are you looking at your product in terms of ex, its experience to the buyer? And, and ultimately what we're talking about here, folks, is the bottom line is you need to invert how you evaluate your success in the marketplace. And what does that do? At least initially, and we talked about an 18 month wave, and at least initially you are so differentiated from the rest of your competitors because guess what? They're all doing the stuff that Jordan and I have been talking about. They're all hammering you. They're all creeping you out every time you go check something out. Success is great product, by the way, but guess what? That intent data can be as bad as it is good. We're getting creepy fast, folks. So we're saying it's not just good for business. It's good for competition. Yeah. And on the next episode, let's talk about other ways to not be creepy. I don't think people have enough good ideas about how to like, oh, well, you should solve this by just making a thousand cold calls instead of a hundred cold calls. Like, no, there's a much better way to approach your go-to-market. And we're going to talk about strategies that will always work for you. Even if this tsunami takes over, you will create the tallest building that will be able to survive. I almost feel like we've created a maturity model, Jordan. The beginning of the maturity model is I'm completely clueless, right? The next stage up of the maturity model is that I'm annoying 
And then the apex is I'm creepy. So we're saying we have a new maturity model and it doesn't go from annoying to creepy. It starts with the guide, right? So yeah, no trench coats. There's no trench coats in this model. <laughs> there's no trench coats in this model. All right, Jordan, thanks for joining us again. I don't even know, is this the Iron Man? Five episodes coming back day after day, having to look at this ugly mug. Congratulations. I know. I, I just turned my camera off, Doug. <laughs> okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, CEO at Blueprint, for joining us in part five of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Jordan and I are going to dig in and talk about the new go-to-market model. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate.com. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.